what's going on, everybody? My name is Reagan. My name's Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. We have been MIA because we've been all over the place. Yeah. Me to Bulgaria. Not not, not in <laughs> Miami. We've just been gone. Oh, yeah. Not, not <laughs> Miami International Airport. Yeah, we've, we've been in Miami. <laughs> That's what no, I was. We've been at summer camp yeah, for yeah. like three weeks, it feels like. Summer camp was the longest five years of my life. Which summer camp is not in Miami. No. Um, but man, I came home from summer camp and usually I kind of just like face plant and fall asleep. But this year I face planted and fell asleep. <laughs> but then I woke up at like 5.30 in the morning because we have a leader meeting yeah. at some point in the morning and I wake up and the first thought in my head is, I'm going to be late to our leader meeting and I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait, I'm at home. <laughs> like we have no leader meeting today. Yeah, let me hop on this <laughs> zoom call real quick. <laughs> like um, man, summer camp got to me. No, I woke up. I mean, this is like when you spend 10 days with students, five, like 10 straight days of five hours of sleep with like in a cabin with students, like you're just, you're going to start developing unhealthy rhythms. Yep. Um, and so like when I got home, I crashed. And so like, I was, I was going to FaceTime with and call her. Um, but like, so I was waiting for her to, I think get back from small group or something like that. And I fell asleep in my bed for like <laughs> two hours. And then she called me and I tell you, when I woke up, I was like, it's like one of those ones where like, I don't know where I'm at, what we're doing. Yep. And so yep. she and I are trying to have this conversation and like, I'm glossed over, <laughs> like I'm gone. Like it's, and then I woke up the next day and I'm like, I'm sick and I'm tired. I woke up today. I'm more sick and I'm more tired. Mm -hmm. Like, I think my body is just degenerating. Um, but man, it was a good camp. It was. <laughs> it, was it was a great camp. It was a good there, camp. The, the we, Lord uh, moved. We oh, had man. our cabin, and there was there was this one. It was it was the last night of camp. Okay, so for these high schoolers, this is night five. For student directors and people that were <laughs> there on staff, this was like night ten or something. Yeah. yeah. And it's probably 3 a.m. These kids were going crazy. They're finally starting to fall asleep. And this kid walks out of the bathroom after having brushed his teeth and he goes to lay down and he just says like, hey, bro, hey, bro, I just want to say thank you for letting me borrow your toothbrush all week. And I no. absolutely lose it. I'm like in charge. Okay. I'm the one that's supposed to stop that from happening, but I'm just crying, laughing. Uh, it was the funniest thing ever. Oh, um, I can't, thankfully, I can't it was a joke. Yeah. Thankfully, it was a joke. I can't pass for that, man. Um, no, dude, there, there was this one time, there are a couple of memories from middle school camp where like at, at the camp that we go to, like we go tubing with our middle schoolers, uh, mm -hmm. down this big river. And so I'm like, I'm already gassed. I'm already tired. And so we go out on this thing and it's like monsooning, pouring rain and it's yep. like 50 degrees in the middle of July. And so I'm like, why are we doing this? Why am I here? I'm cold. When we get off the bus, the, the director comes up. He's like, Hey man. So just in case somebody gets hypo, like hypothermia. Or like, I'm like, why? What do you mean just in case? Yeah. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, well, it's like, if like, if someone gets cold, like they're not wearing a shirt and I'm like, oh, I'm not wearing a shirt. I'm cold. Okay. All right. Let's get, <laughs> let's prepare for the worst here. And so I'm in this kayak, long story short, it's like an hour and a half down the river, down the river. It stops raining. I'm just ready to go back. I'm ready to get off this river. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, uh, these students that we're with, they start connecting their tubes together like they're holding on to hands 
And then like, Reagan, come on, we're making a mega boat. And so like <laughs> me and a couple other leaders in the kayaks swim over and we can join like four kayaks and nine inner tubes. And we were all like holding on going down the river, chanting mega boat, mega boat, mega boat. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> But it was so funny because we were like, Megaboat, transform, line. And we like made a line. We're like, Megaboat, transform, circle. And we like made a circle and we were just doing the absolute most going down this river. Um, That's amazing. And that I river felt, was cold. That river was, it was cold. cold. It was cold. It was cold, bro. It was cold. Um, I, also, I also walked into a middle schooler cabin having a fart competition, which is just... <laughs> That's what so a, on brand. It's, it's just so <laughs> the stereotypes are real. Like it's like man. I'm just like the amount of things that middle schooler boys will do without adult supervision mm-hmm. um just descends to the lowest form of humanity. Yes. Um <laughs> But God moved and I'm like you know if the Lord can move through that he can do anything. Amen. Yeah. And, and we both had the opportunity to teach. I taught a middle school morning devotion on community. It was like a 20, 25 minute thing. And then you also did a a workshop. And I think that's going to kind of tee up our conversation today because in that workshop, someone asked you a really good question. And Man, it it just kind of when we started talking about it, it opened the can of worms and that's what we're going to dive into. So what was the question that that student asked you? Um, It was after one of our sermons and we had like campus times where we got to go back into our own like campus teams. And so the sermon was was on brothers and sisters in Christ. And it was like, how do brothers and sisters relate? Like brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister, all that stuff like that. Um, and so we were talking and like one of my students raised his hand and was like, Hey, how do, how do you change the culture in a guy's small group beyond, Mm -hmm. Hey man, like how was the game last week? Or Hey man, how's whatever, like, how do we get past the surface level relationship and how do we get down to more, um, honestly vulnerable like we talked a lot about a lot about that on a podcast last time but it's a more vulnerable state with guys and it really sparked a really good conversation um because i think there's a trend this is not for every guy out there but there is a trend not only with guys but especially guys small groups of like the girls are jumping in and there's a level of like openness and a level of depth um, not even just in their emotions, but like in their pursuit of the Lord that guys just don't have. And so a lot of the times it's like the women are leading out in the church. The women are the ones who are coming to church on Sunday morning. Like the guys are the ones that are being drugged behind. And yeah. I think what this student was acknowledging is like, it's not just in our men's groups. It's not just in our fathers, but it's like in our students and their small groups, there's this like idea of just settling for surface. Yeah. Um, Sally for service relationship with God and service relationship with one another. And so honestly, we're just going to talk about why vulnerable vulnerability with men is just a difficult topic, why we struggle with it and where we go from here. I think it's important to note before we start the conversation that this may not be your experience when we make these large kind of statements, it might not be where you're at and praise God. Like if you are in a small group 
and you're a guy and you guys are having genuine, deep, vulnerable community, that is a really unique thing. And it's a blessing that you need to take full advantage of because that's a gift. Yeah. And so this may not be your experience, but I think from a large kind of 50,000 foot view, as we look at Christianity, specifically like men in small groups, this is the trend that we've seen. And yeah. you're 100% right. Even look at the mission field. Yeah, man. The mission field is single dominated women. by single, single women. women. Single and women. that's it. It's it's like 80% yeah. of single people on the field are single women. And so what is the disconnect? What is the thing that is causing men to be more dragged behind, kind of as you said, uh, in these areas? And, and so, yeah, I, I just think this might not be you. And if it's not you, praise God. Yeah. But this is what we see generally across Christianity. Yeah. And, and I think this this struck a chord with me because that is something that I think I've struggled with. One, I didn't grow up with a student ministry. So like I think student ministry, for better or worse, teaches men and women like, hey, here's how you operate. Here's how you pursue God in community. I think yep. that's like the main goal of every student ministry. And so one, I never really had that. And so there's like a lot of isolation in my own walk with the Lord. It was like me and my family. Um, didn't really have a lot of Christian friends either. And the one thing I told this kid is that, especially for men, like the overarching theme is that, um, men imitate what they see. And so for better or for worse, you pick up the traits of your father, um, your coaches, your teachers, your student pastors, your small group leaders, like men imitate what they see. Um, and oftentimes we project what we see back onto God. So like if you're, if your father is great and all these things, well, we project the, the best qualities of our father onto God, but even the best qualities of of a good dad still pale in comparison to a heavenly father who's perfect. If your father's absent, well, great. We, we cast that onto the Lord now. Um, and so a lot of the times it's like, I know my personal story is like, I've really struggled to open up to other guys. Um, and a lot of that is due in part to like, I've picked that up from men in my life. Mm. Um, for better or for worse, because they picked that up from men in their life and so on and right. so forth. And so I shared this with our students. Like there was one like tangible time. I remember um, I was preaching a sermon this past year, like on confession. And it was like first John one nine, if we confess our sins to one another, he's faithful and just, or if we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. And I, I ended up calling you up and I was just like, man, like here's everything that has ever happened in my life. And I'm like, I just like poured it out to you. And then you were like, okay, man, thanks. You're not alone. Love you. And you hung up the phone. And I think that right there was the first time that I think I actually looked like my heavenly father in the way I related to other men. Hmm. Um, that I think a lot of the times, like I think my closed offness um, was taught. It wasn't necessarily inerrant in my DNA. And I think there's yeah. an idea that like, yes, men and women are separate. Yes, our brains work differently. But the reality is, is like vulnerability is not an emotion that is solely gifted women. Yeah. Um, like men have the capacity to be vulnerable, to be real, to share deep emotions because Jesus did. Yeah. And so it's like, you look at the 12, like Jesus had very close, intimate relationships with his 12 disciples, especially his three, Peter, James, and John. And like 
Jesus shared life with them. He did things with them. He opened up about his his fears. Like even the Garden of Gethsemane, he yeah. brings Peter, James, and John into like his deepest sorrow of like, Lord, if not my will, your will be done. Please take mm-hmm. this cup from me. Like that is Jesus bringing brothers in Christ into his deepest, honestly, wound at that time. Yeah. Um, and so I, th- I think a lot of our times, like our relationships with other men um, are are taught they're not necessarily inerrant to who we are yeah we we've talked about this before on the podcast but you and i had very different high school church upbringing middle school and high school church upbringing i was plugged into a a local church with like really good community i've had really good community from a really young age a mentor from a really young age i look back and i I've always been a pretty vulnerable person, especially in my community. This has never really been something that I feel like I've, I've really struggled with. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was plugged in, in community for a really long time. And so the thing that was taught to me, the thing that I saw all the time was people being vulnerable with one another. Yeah. And it's like, that is the 1%. That is the very small number of the church, but that's the thing that the Lord is really calling us up to because that doesn't exist everywhere. Yeah. And when I look back at my time in high school, there are, there are 12 people, men and women. There are six guys Then I'm like, if it were not for these six guys, seven, including myself, I don't think I would be able to lean into community the way that I do now if it weren't for the things that I learned then. Mm -hmm. And it's like the reason that I can benefit from community today is because I learned how to benefit from community and pour into community then. And that was a huge factor for me. Yeah. Um, Even, even bringing up Jesus with Peter, James and John, it's really interesting because I think this brings up a really valid point. And this is probably one of the reasons why guys are, are, a little hesitant to take that first step into community. It's like a lot of guys have probably been hurt. Like, like let's be real. Like community is hard. It's painful. People say things, people do things, people talk behind your back. And like, yeah, that sounds like middle school gossip, but you can be an adult. And if someone says something about you and it's hurtful, man, that stings. Yeah. And it hurts and it's real and it's painful. And our natural response to that is to retract and retreat. And Jesus experienced pain in his community. Peter denied him three times. Peter was in that inner circle. Peter was that cornerstone that Jesus was going to build the church on. Like Peter was probably Jesus's best friend, his ride or die, his like person. And he denied that he even knew him. And I could not imagine in the midst of, of God, the father turning his back on Jesus because of the sin that he was about to bear on the cross on our behalf. Jesus's best friend, his ride or die in that moment, also denying him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, man, that's gotta, that's gotta be so incredibly painful. But Peter's response is confession and repentance. Yeah. And that's a beautiful picture that we see in the book of John, but yeah. all of that to say, it's like, I think a huge reason that men are really hesitant to take that step into community either again or for the first time is because we're very shame driven. And mm. when shame is put onto us, 
that's our signal to run because we mm-hmm. hate that feeling. It sucks. We don't want to be shame driven. Yeah. And so the response is just to run away. Yeah. I think there's like, even, even you've had a bad experience in community or it's like, I think like you just don't know what you don't know. So like if you've never had it, you don't know what to expect. And I think a lot of the times, like one, it starts with like fathers in the home, like y'all set the standard for what your kid expects um, for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, and even if like, okay, if your father is not there, like, is there an adult male figure in your life that like you are learning about men and how to interact with men from the men in your life? Like that is being transitioned down, um, men and women. That That's, that's just how, that's how it works. Um, and so one of the things that I've been challenged with is like, okay, my, the way I interact with other guys needs to be filtered through the lens of my heavenly father not through the lens of my experience with men on this earth. Yeah. Um, not through the things that I've been taught, but through the things that like I see from him. Yeah. And I think that's where you go. Like Jesus got betrayed even by Judas, but like he yeah. didn't abandon like relationship with those guys, relationship with other people. Um, and I think like Jesus set the standard for those disciples. Yeah. Like he, he invited people in come sit with me, come pray with me, come walk with me, come eat with me. Like he invited people in. And I'm like, if you want to want, if you, if you wonder what will change the next generation of guys and like what we expect and pursue and stuff like this, uh, fathers in the home and great male small group leaders. Um, those, those are the things that like when those men are acting in accordance to the word of God and like, pouring into the next generation, like that will change what guys expect and what we pursue and how we relate to other guys. Um, but honestly, yeah. man, I think this is something that like, okay, there's, again, may not be your experience. Um, I think one of the even reasons this kid asked this question is because I think, all right, like he may want that, but it seems like nobody else in his small group does. Yeah. Um, or he does and two people in a small group does. And I think that may be where a lot of men are at too, where it's like, I want this thing, but you look around and like nobody else does. Um, and this is a two way street. You can't, you, you can only go halfway. So like, what do you do if you look around in a small group in a church, um, in a student ministry and you're like, man, I want deep relationships with other guys, but like no one else does. What do you do? That is a hard question. Um, and the churchy answer to start with is to pray, to ask the Lord. Um, there is a very real beauty behind praying for community and then seeing the Lord's tangible answer to that. I'll use a personal example in my own life. I lived in Florida all my life, moved up here in 2017, and there was a gap of time where I was in school, in seminary, I was working at Starbucks, and I was not working at a church. It was about a year gap and there was nothing. I was new. I lived up here. I knew absolutely no one. And I was literally alone. I was alone. There was no one. I was stuck and I felt so lonely and it took a year. I was praying and praying and praying consistently. And the Lord eventually brought people into my life. Yeah that man were an answer to that prayer. Yeah. But I had to recognize my loneliness, not like my lack of friends, but like my loneliness in the sense of I'm not in community 
And then I also had to seek it out. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the next step. We could pray for it, but we actually also need to take tangible steps to seek out community. Yeah. And that can look a couple different ways, right? The the phrase, no one around me wants genuine community, probably isn't 100% true. Say that. It, it's that's it's it. just an assumption. That's it. It's just an assumption. That's it. You just haven't taken that step to invite other people into that community. I think if you did that, you'd be surprised by how many people are actually looking for the same thing you are. Or you're just the first person to speak up. Yes, 100%. And so it's like, that's probably a desire that's underneath the surface that like, man, they haven't been able to put words to or may not be able to express. So like there is something where it's like, you can go to your small group and be like, hey, I want this or go to your small group leader or go to your friends. Hey, I want this. Do you want this too? And you may be surprised at how yes. many of them say yes. Um, so no, well, I, I do think there's definitely something you can do there. We even go back to Genesis one. Jesus says, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. He's not he's not talking specifically about the context of marriage there. That's good. He's just talking about, hey, it's not good for man to be isolated. If this is pre-fall, this is something that is built into our desires. We well, desire community. And man, how many men are alone? Hmm. On honestly, and let's get real for a second. How many married men are alone? Hmm. Um like your wife is not sufficient. She's your wife. She is not your sole source of community. Yeah. And like, I think I'm like, I just, the general across the board, how many married dads have friends? Yeah. How many married dads are getting discipleship? Like you want to talk about a hole in the church? Men's ministry. <laughs> men's ministry. Yes. The only discipleship we have for men throughout the church feels like it's student ministry, then kind of college ministry, but there's a gap because it's hard to connect. And then it's just like, all right, men just come and sit on a Sunday morning. For the next 45 years, generally yeah. across the board at the church. And there are some churches where like you have the ability to have a men's ministry and to go deeper, but that is not the standard across the board. And so a lot of the times it's like the best discipleship our men get is from like birth through 18. And yeah. then after 100%. that, after that, we're just like, good luck. And yep. we wonder why kids fall away in college. We wonder why they walk away in adulthood. And I'm like, it's probably because they don't have other men speaking into their life anymore. Yeah. Now they feel like they're on an island and nobody can speak truth into that. And so honestly, man, um, <laughs> I, I, th there has to be some sort of discipleship for men yeah. when we get out of student ministry context. Usually this is the trend that I've seen when people step away, like statistically people step away from the church primarily in that high school to college transition. Whenever someone moves or leaves or goes away, that's usually the point in time where they have to make a decision whether to plug into the local church or to go do something else. A lot of times, unfortunately, people choose to go do something else. Yeah. And I'm convinced, convinced that if in middle school and high school, these these kids experienced real, genuine community. Statistically, it's if a student has three adult believers in their life pouring into them through middle yeah. school and high school, they're like 98% more likely to stay in the church when they go to college. Yeah. And the reason people step away is because there's another community, a frat house, LGBTQ, whatever it might be, that promises them what they're looking for. Yeah. They haven't experienced it in the church, and so they go elsewhere looking yeah. for that it's not good for man to be alone desire. Mm. And it's like the desire there is not bad. It's God-given. 
Yeah. The desire for community is good. It's just we haven't done a very good job at providing that in student ministry. So by the time it's it's time for them to choose whether or not they want to be in church or they want to go somewhere else, they go somewhere else be, because they haven't experienced what good biblical community is like. And y'all like that is a sad, sad truth about where the church is at at large. Yeah. We have to recognize it. <clears throat> we have to see it. And we have to take steps to help mend that gap. I can tell you the four male believers that poured into my life all throughout middle school and all throughout high school. Yeah, I can tell you their names. I can tell you their life stories. And it's only because they took very intentional time with me to teach me the Bible, to disciple me, to have me over for dinner, to welcome me into their homes, to like the Christian phrase, do life with me. Yeah. As because of that. And when I went to college, it wasn't even... It wasn't even a second thought. I was like, okay, I need to get plugged in somewhere. Yeah. And it was hard. It took a year. I had to pray for it, but God is faithful. Yeah. And I think that there is this like, this uh, idea amongst men that I'm like, if I get my family to church, if I sit in a seat, if I attend a small group, then that means I'm in community and I've checked the boxes. And I'm like, there are a lot of lonely men that sit on seats every Sunday morning. Mm. There are a lot of lonely men that have great small group attendance. But like, who's in your life, bro? Like, who are you giving access to speak into your life? Who are you coming under? Who are you pouring into? Like, that is the thing that I think a lot of men in the church, outside of like church staff, I feel like our church staff does it well, but like the general lay 40 year old dude, like, does that person have another guy speaking into his life? I don't know. Uh, that's yeah. outside of crisis. We're great in crisis, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm like the times where I've had to step in and like introduce myself in crisis. Mm. I'm like, how great would it be if you have a guy that's walking it through walking with you in life and say something awful happens because it's life. And now that person knows your story, knows your history, knows your questions about God and is able to speak the gospel into that. Instead yeah. of starting from ground one, hi, my name is like, yeah. I, I think, I think that yeah. is one of the biggest holes we have in the church. Um, and like, yeah. I, I had to experience it. Like when I moved to Raleigh, I was 22, um, 21, 22. And so, uh, I had great college friends. Um, but when I moved to Raleigh, I didn't know anybody. And so Proverbs says better is a friend who's close by than a brother who's far away. And I had yeah. brothers who lived 16 hours away. And I was relying on that to sustain me here. And there's a lot of men who are relying on friendships from your frat house, from your college teammates 20, 30, 40 years ago. And it's like, oh, well, we text every six months. That means I have friends. Mm. No, you have brothers. And sometimes like when you grow up in a family and your brothers move far away, your love for them doesn't change, but you don't see them anymore. I have a sister who lives 16 hours away in Chicago. I love her deeply. I don't see her every day. Yeah. Um, And a lot of men have friendships like that, that no one knows what's going on in the day-to-day of your life. And so one, that's how sin creeps in. That's how uh, doubt creeps in. It's like no one is able to speak the truth over that. And honestly, that is not necessarily your wife's job. Yeah. That's not her job. She is your partner, not your pastor. And like you need somebody to come and speak the life into you. Um. And like when I was, when I was in Raleigh, like I didn't have that. And so I know you had mentioned prayer. That was one of the things that I prayed for as well. Um, 
is like, man, like God, like just bring, bring men into my life, bring friends into my life. Yes. And like, he brought a really good group of female friends. Female friends are a gift from God. I told yep. my students, a lot of this, we talked about brother or sister relationships. I'm like, all y'all want girlfriends when reality is you just need a girlfriend. You just need a sister in Christ who's a friend yep. because she sees the world differently than you. She sees God differently than you. And you are limiting yourself to the benefits of the kingdom when you only experience half of it. Um, yep. And so girlfriends are great. Guys, you need men in your life. Um, yeah. And the Lord brought that. He did. Yeah. Um, like, I think you're an answer to prayer from that. Like, our, our friend yeah. group is an answer to prayer for that. Yeah. Um, but it took prayer. And it took, honestly, me initiating some of that saying, like, hey, I want this. Do y'all want this too? Hey, do you guys yes. want to go meet up on a Friday morning and get food and talk? Um like, hey, like you, you, me, and one of our friends, uh, Scrap, we meet up every Thursday morning. Every that Thursday. Was every Thursday morning. And that was like, it started with me and Scrap saying, hey, do you want this? And then you actually came in. It was like, hey, I want this too. Can I join? Yeah. And now the three of us meet up every, every Thursday. And so it's things like that. I think there's more guys that want, I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about small group attendance. I'm talking about that thing like that Thursday morning. Like who were the two to three guys that are actually in your life um, that know what's going on? And I think that's something that a lot of men, unfortunately, don't have. Yeah, when I look at our friend group, like our community, we all kind of entered into the space at the same time. Yeah. But we all come from crazy different places. You know, you have, you know, people from, you know, Georgia and Florida and all over the place, Chicago, like kind of like converging in Durham. And it's like, why? Yeah. And I'm confident it's because, man, like we all prayed for this and the Lord was incredibly faithful to answer it. Yeah. Um, the, the kind of like the scare here or like the, the thing to be cautious of, and I think this might be a, a good kind of transitional piece to end on is we guys specifically, at least I was convinced that once I got married, I didn't need community. Like I was good. Um, yeah. because I had all the community I needed in my wife. It's not good for and man to be alone. You're no longer alone. Yeah, right. It's like, yeah. boom, prayer answered. I'm yeah. good. And that is such a lie. Like yeah. say like that will isolate you yeah. beyond what you think is possible. Yeah. And I've seen it. Yeah. My, some of my really good friends, like back when I, back in Florida, like man, getting a girlfriend or getting married cut off yeah, from man. community yeah, because man. like that has been answered yeah. when in actuality it's like, okay, this is a beautiful gift from the Lord, but you still need to be very intentional about plugging in and getting in with community. Well, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things is that like, I know Felicity has, um, I would say encouraged you mm. to pursue relationships with your guys. It's like, here's the thing, especially when you get married, there's a pecking order. It's like your boys never go above your wife, Yep. but your boys don't fall off the list either. Yep. It's like, it's like there are, if, if there are times it's like, Hey, you need a date night and you text me, Hey bro, I'm with Felicity tonight. Done. Cool. Done. 
Enjoy it. Because that's your wife and that's a relationship that you have to invest in above everything else. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the times it's like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. A lot of the times it's like we take that really good thing and just eliminate all other relationships. And that's not healthy either. So I'm like, yeah. especially to like the girls, the wives, the girlfriends that are listening, like man, encourage your husband to go meet up. Like not necessarily go have like a darts night or something like that. Like not yeah. only for fun sometimes, but like what are the times it's like, hey, you just need to go like, you need to go talk. Go sit yep. on the porch. Go talk with your boys. Um, some of the best nights I've had in Raleigh is when we've come, we've gone over to one of our friends' house and just sat on his porch and just talked about life for a couple hours. Yep. And, and that's maybe like once every month, month and a half. Yeah. Something like that. It's like it's not super often because it can't be. Um, but the reality is, is like I think that's something that's necessary. And the older I get, um, hopefully, say hopefully hopefully enter into something like fatherhood and eventually stuff like that. I'm like, I would want my kids to see one, not only like me interact with my wife in a healthy way, but I think I would love for them to see me have a healthy discipleship relationship with a guy that's older than me for mm. me to have good, healthy relationships with my guy friends. I still want to have guy friends when I'm 40 and I want them to see me pour into other men outside of my own like professional ministry, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, I think those are the things that I'm like, if I have sons and they see that, um, I think that sets them up well to like know what to desire yeah. um, and what to expect out of relationships with, with other guys. The five people you surround yourself with the average of their maturity is going to be your cap for maturity. Yeah. It's just statistically. Yeah. And so who are you surrounding yourself with? Who am I surrounding myself with that is a, that that is calling me up in my relationship with Jesus rather than capping my potential to know and love Jesus? It's a hard question, but it's one that I think that I think we should all be willing to ask and answer. Yeah. Y'all I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We got a couple emails while we were at camp, so don't worry, we're getting to those. Thank you guys for sending in your emails, your questions. We're super thankful for you all finding us on TikTok, Instagram, all across the place. If you have questions, if you have concerns or comments or just want to know more about Reagan or I, send us an email at sanctifiedish at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, sanctified underscore ish. You can also check out our personal pages at ReaganJones97 and at Rotsiv157. Until next time, take care and God bless. Dude, your you see hat, my tan line? I'm about to say your hat tan you line. Tan line? <laughs> your hat tan line for camp is so prominent. Bro, it's there. I need it. this is good. This is yeah. good for me. You just have like a <laughs> nice barcode on the center of Thank your forehead. You. Um <laughs> it the camera makes it look worse. No, you you have a moat. <laughs> you have a moat on your forehead. You need a drawbridge to get yeah. across that. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a Twinkie on the middle of your forehead. 